0: Hi everyone and welcome to The Raw Show with Michael McDonald and I have a very special guest. We have Kathy Hadizadeh joining me today. Kathy, thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you for having me on the show, Mike. Kathy is a former IT executive turned into a personal and leadership self-development coach and a mindfulness educator. So this is... I, I would assume for the first part, we're going to try and dive in a lot about mindfulness and, and how our mind works, that kind of thing. But I thought we'd we'd start with your background. So would you be able to share with me and our listeners where you were born and what it was like for you growing up?
1: Sure. I was born in Iran, in Tehran, and uh, I have uh, I was born in a system that you are not supposed to think what you want to be in life, but you were supposed to either be an engineer or a doctor to be successful in the society. That was kind of the mindset of the educated oh, okay. people. So I was, uh, I was afraid of the blood all my life. So um, de- definitely being a doctor was not part of the plan for me. And no. so I be- decided to go the science route. So I became a an statistician. And later on, I got two masters in engineering. Uh, and then uh, follow the PhD in engineering. So that was like that. It was a, there's a lot of ideas and opinions about what it means to grow up in Iran, especially as a woman. And uh, while there is a society that, um, uh, you know, that it has its own shortcomings and all of that, um, but it's an amazing experience because uh, it's, a, it's a society full of love and connections and holding each other and being with each other and listening to each other. Uh, part of it because people used, at least at that time, used to have a lot of time in their hands that they would spend it for each other. Mm. So human connections are very strong. Um, at that time, fear was not so much as strong. People really go with their, ha- with their heart rather oh, than yeah. with their, ha- their head. It's that kind of environment
0: all right so did that did that cause any any changes or any slight um i, I guess adjustments to the the way that you went about uh, your your journey in terms of education so i mean a, a lot of people particularly in terms of like you know you had this this engineering and science background, that, that all seems to be very, very head-based. But then you mentioned that people tend to, to operate from their heart. So how how did that alter the journey that you had? Um,
1: when I was there, at that time, still, even though I pursued an engineering degree, and um, I was a very science-based person, but still, I was very much connected to my heart at, over there. I, f- I give you an example, I finished my, my degree in statistics and then I felt like, oh, I wanna connect more how science impacts people's lives. And really I listened to my heart and, and all of a sudden I decided to pursue something totally different. So I went and pursued uh, a master's in socioeconomic systems engineering. Uh, which was basically more understanding how systems um, can predict the lives of the people. I worked on how um, the infrastructure of the cities can change, can determine the quality of life of the people. So still, I was able to connect to my heart. Even coming to the America uh, was for me very much like, okay, I want to go and experience this. And even though I had a very big story about how I came to this country I got rejected seven times um, with a PhD admission and being the number one PhD candidate in the nation still Um, I got rejected seven times in very different ways but you know I when I when I was very clear I was very clear on what I want in my heart and one thing that I I think worked very well at that time was that connection, the clarity, what is it that I really want, so I could set my mind on it. That was a very big thing.:
0: All ah, right, okay well i i'm I'm curious because because we tend to, to use things like logic and and that kind of thing when it comes to making our decisions, but that's all very much head-based so what's what's the difference between making a decision from your head and making a decision from your heart and is is there a way of distinguishing between the two absolutely
1: uh the thing is you know what in a lot of the times in um, especially in western culture that i have been exposed to it for the past 18 years I have generally, I have, when I had a chance to look at my journey two years ago in this, in this life and in this country, I realized how far I have grown uh, of my heart. Um, a lot of it is fear and a lot of it is being alone. Um, when I, in here, especially in metropolitan areas, people are with each other, but at the same time are not with each other. The reason is that everybody's after taking care of themselves. People really don't have that much time to stop and really care for each other. And I started experiencing and learning this very early on uh, when I came in, when I came to uh, Los Angeles and I really felt like, okay, this is kind of a situation that you have to take care of yourself all the time. Um, So with that, you kind of grow a sense of, I cannot trust universe all the time. I have to take care of myself. And there's, there are two different paths. Because when you have universe taking care of you, you have some kind of a cushion that you'd feel like, oh, I will always land on somewhere. But when you feel like, oh, I have to take care of myself, then you start thinking, oh, and how do I do that? And a Sometimes you want to engineer things in a way that you make sure you get to the result you want. Like going and applying for a credit card, you need to have a good credit and you have to build that. So you start thinking in that sense. You start thinking with your mind a lot, does it make sense that I do that? I know people say that a lot of times. Does it make sense that I do that? Um, is it the right thing for me to do? These are all our logical thinking and there is nothing wrong with that. It's just, we don't always pay attention to what is it that it feels right to me? What is it that I really want out of life? Um, we get sucked in into jobs, which are big jobs and um, amazing, but at the same time, we forget sometimes that we have to leave and sometimes we have to check, where where am I going? We are in such an autopilot 365 days that we forget to pause and think. And that's when it happens that we forget to think with our heart. We forget that there is something called heart. I should sometimes trust it. You should sometimes trust the universe. I shouldn't be always thinking and feeling like I have to run to get to somewhere.
0: Are there any particular ways that, that we could do this? Because when... When I'm just hearing you talk about it, and it's it's very interesting, to me, and I'm I'm filling my notebook as we speak. But um, it seems like there's a certain there's a certain type of question or a certain type of of way, at least, that we could maybe get into that position. So, for me, the questions that you answer, things like um, what do I want, where am I going, all, all of those kinds of questions, they're all very big picture questions where mm-hmm. our head does eventually have to try to to make sense of the answers to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. But how how do I actually get into a position whereby we are actually going about things from our heart as opposed to our head? Because if, if people listen to this, they're probably thinking, well, this is all going over my head a little bit. I, mean, I, like, I like the idea of you know, trying to do things a bit more that's a bit more... I guess, emotional or more feelings-based versus mm-hmm. logic-based. Mm-hmm. But how, how can we actually do it in terms of, like, you know, just going about our day-to-day?
1: That's a very good question. That was a question that I had for a long time after I discovered what I'm dealing with. And uh, it, that's an actually one thing that is very important is that you cannot wake up one morning and say, oh my God, today is the day that I'm going to decide with my heart rather than with my mind. It actually doesn't work that way. You see, if somebody doesn't use their muscles in their body, they go weak. We all know that. If Mm -hmm. somebody wants good toned muscles that work, they have to work out or do some weightlifting or pay some attention to it. So this situation is like that too. In order to be able to think with our hearts and what it really means, we have to give our mind some space, as as contradictory as it seems. Because brain is an organ that is pretty much working all the time. And a lot of the times we think, oh, our brain makes our minds. That's not really true actually our heart has more neurons than our brain. And a lot of times it is when we want to think about the mind, the mind is really a compilation of what is happening in us, in our hearts. It's because mind by itself is not an entity. It doesn't come really from the brain. Brain is just a physical entity. Brain is an engine that does the physical thing. That's why people, when they go into coma, they are physically, their brain is working. It's just they are not able to connect with people because that's the mind piece that has been shut down. Um, having said that, how do we get to that state? One of the most important things that needs to happen is that that mind piece that I talked about is not, is that mind piece is actually very connected to the heart and it needs to have the clarity. And for that clarity, it needs some kind of its own type of exercise and the exercise for an, for some entity that is all constantly in a, in action and is constantly trying we're all the time thinking we have always something in our mind and the exercise for that is to just give it some rest give it some space we think oh if I think about this something is going to come and we constantly talk about it to this person and to that person and we want to seek advice from the other person while well, gathering information is is good but we forget it's a good idea to just Give it a pause. Go, let, let's just reflect. Let's be in silence and just reflect. Give us that moment to be able to sit with ourselves. See, not many people can sit in silence with themselves and just see what comes to the mind and what goes. Just looking at the clouds in the sky. Not many people can do that. And if we really want to connect with that heart and that clarity of the mind again, that's something we need to learn to do. And it takes time, and it takes practice, and it takes restoring the the faith in the fact that I am able to see things clearly. I gather information. I go and sit in silence and I pause and I think and I know how my mind and my heart and uh, my my spirit are connected see having those kind of faith there is some prerequisites to get to the position of being able to think with your heart does that answer your question
0: (laughs) yeah it does I mean it definitely implies at least in in my mind, just as I'm trying to make sense of, of everything that you said, is that if anything, we have to be in a position whereby we're, we're, actually, do, we're actually doing less. So when you say we're gathering information, you, in terms of making space, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, right, well, this implies that we actually have to slow down, we actually have to do less than what we're doing right now in order to feel like we have that space, because obviously space has to be created in, in you know just from some things that you've said there is that we actually have to be a bit more conscious about this idea of doing less and of potentially creating that space um i'm I'm curious as to what the prerequisites are though so you mentioned that there are certain things that that need to happen in order even just to to set that up you know just actually be in, in that place to begin with so what what would those prerequisites be
1: Again, very good question. Let's just let's, let's go deeper into that. Um, when I said um, we need to be, you are absolutely right. We need to be able to uh, be okay with the idea of doing less because a lot of us, and including myself, I was programmed by that oh, if I want to get something or if I want to attain something, I just need to do and do and do and do and do and get it. I never thought my way of being and the way I exist and the way I put my thoughts. And, you know, with not so much think, you know, being, uh, being all the time on the run about it is going to make a difference. I never thought about it like that. But as a matter of fact, it's the is the quality of our being that will impact and will allow us to be able to make a space for the for the mind to have um some clarity let me let me uh give you an example yeah sure um we always in life and i say we because i think Most of us are in that position, and I have certainly been in that position, and I think it's very relatable. Um, We always think in life um, that if I get so-and-so thing, I will be happy. If you're in a job, we look at the promotion, and we think, oh my God, if I become the VP of customer success, then I am the ultimate and the funny thing is we became that we become that vp and we feel like huh it's cool and good and excellent for a couple of days and we are we're happy and excited and our mind is excited and then we think oh my god this is too much work and we get we want to get excited about something else so we basically make these little islands for ourselves and we constantly have our mind working at one of these islands whether it is promotion whether it is having a partner in life whether it is having a child we make it an island we feel like what wherever we are right now is not enough is not the happy land and if we get to that point then it's going to be our happy land and we make a lot of efforts and we, you know, we you move the rocks. We make it happen at any cost. And when we get to that island, we are like, huh, this wasn't the island I was thinking. The happiness should be lying in the next island. I found a partner. It's good for like maybe two, three years, whatever. And then we think about, oh, now we want to have a kid or something like that. We always are on the go. Um, And that is the notion of never never having really that peace of mind, never being able even to give mind that much space. It's a philosophical way of looking at the world. Now, if we get to the point that we start building the fact that life, is not getting into the island. Life is the moment that we are in. Whatever happened in the past is, hey, gone. And uh, we really don't have any control about what future holds for us, whether I will go to that island or not. If we truly start feeling at ease and happy, with the moment, whatever that is, and feel like this is the greatest moment of my life that I'm experiencing, and really feel from that position of gratitude and not thinking that 24 seven, I have to be thinking about my next island, then automatically we will be able to open up that the space in our mind for having time to pause and to reflect upon. I really want my mind to be happy and to have that space. It just happens automatically because we are not keeping this thing like a marathon man that is supposed to finish this marathon. And by finishing this marathon, is gonna start another marathon without having that much break in between. Um, you see this notion of constant running versus being happy with the where you are in life very different places to be
0: yeah definitely I mean it, it kind of I mean from from what I know about say the the head or even the the brain level is when we start to be in that achievement philosophy or achievement lifestyle where we 're always chasing something. Um, I'm not sure how much you're aware, but um, there is a hormone, I think it's a hormone at least, um, but I think there's dopamine in the brain where mm-hmm. it's actually higher when we're chasing something. This, this, this okay. is why we tend to strive for it, because it actually increases dopamine. But then once we've achieved it, once we've actually achieved it, it actually reduces so mm-hmm. the the kind of act of achieving something, we actually like that hit initially, but then that's it. And then we try and look for the next thing. So what what would be the opposite to that? So you mentioned creating space and you mentioned actually trying to do less and then that space is naturally more creative. But I mean it it seems at least from from my first kind of pass over it it seems to be that a lot of people listening to this might start to go down that road and then they might realize how how little they're actually doing and it might actually seem boring so I guess it's, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a sidetrack but what what role would you say like having all the time in the world and being bored actually plays into?
1: Uh, it's an interesting thing that you raised, Mike, being bored, and I'm glad you raised that, because uh, that's a maybe number one sentence that a lot of times I hear from my seven-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Bored, mommy. Uh, which is, I always think, it's a good thing. Be bored. A lot of the scientists and a lot of thinkers came up with ideas when they got bored something that doesn't happen in this day and age because we are in the day and age of overstimulation of the brain. I'm sure everybody has heard about that. Uh, The dopamine increase that you, the the dopamine release that you mentioned, we actually have it constantly because like who in the world, um, especially in the countries who have access to the technology, um, is not constantly checking their smartphone as if some message from God or some entity they believe in is gonna come to them every 20 seconds. That constant checking of the phone is because it is associated in our brain with the fact that, oh, there might be something for you. Oh, you might learn a new piece of information. And that constant thing, it is associated with the dopamine release too. So that's why the smartphones are kind of an addiction because we get that kind of fix from it by looking at it even. And like- yeah, Definitely. Um, so going back to the getting bored, actually it is, um, if we are able to kind of get to that state that we are talking about, to be more and do less, you will realize That is not the fact that you will have more time and you will be thinking, what do I do with all this time in my hands? It's gonna be that you're gonna have time for different things in life. So your priorities kind of change. i give you an example. Um, A lot of people, when they go to shop nowadays, at least in the US, they go to the self-checkout. They don't want any human interaction. They just wanna get their grocery or whatever, shopping done and leave. And God forbid, if they have to go and stand in a place that they have to pay to the cashier, they don't understand the cashier is a human being, is a person. They consider it as just an object. But if you start being in that realm of, I am a human being and being more and trying to really absorb the fact that you wanna be present in each moment of your life, when you go to stand in that line, the person next to you is a person. You treat them as a person. You may be engaged in a small talk. Maybe you learned something from the person. Maybe you just went and, you know, expressed your own emotion that you didn't find whatever you wanted to find and came to buy. Or the person tells you something, maybe the latest brand of tomato sauce that they they twisted and they liked it, that human engagement. When you get to the cashier, you don't see the cashier as an object. You actually ask the cashier how they are doing today. You thank them for whatever they are doing for you. You engage in a conversation. From that position in life, people have more time to call their mom. People have more time to sit and actually listen to their child. A lot of the times, the children come home, the mommy sometimes is doing the dishes, and while the child is talking, they are not actually listening because in their head, they are thinking about their day. You see the difference when you're actually present with somebody, you are fully listening to them. And it's a different dimension of listening because you're not just hearing them because you're preparing the reply in your mind. You're just listening to them because you want to feel them. You want to feel what they are going to, what they are expressing. Is it? You really want to feel it in your heart what they are telling you, the joy, the sadness, all the roller coaster ride. I'm sure a lot of people have experienced when things in life are not going well and they call a friend, sometimes if that friend all of a sudden doesn't have, cannot feel good and cannot listen to you because people think, oh, that's negative emotions. I don't want to be uh, involved in the negative emotions. Go talk to your therapist. Why would people need to have to go to talk to a therapist all the time? A friend in need is a friend indeed. So you, it's not that you will get bored and you will have a lot of time in your hand. It's just you are going to be perceiving life in a different way. So you open up a space for different priorities. You really come up in this world in a different capacity.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, just... I mean, you know, thanks for sharing that. I mean, it was was quite a lot. There was quite a lot in there, a lot of things that, you know, I I know my hand was kind of writing away, just trying to keep up. And um, I think one of the main things that I think definitely actually underlines quite a lot of the things that you said, I mean, you could probably talk a little bit about this yourself, but um, I, I find that where your attention is and where your focus is, Tends to have quite a lot to do with this. So you're able to to shift your attention. You're able to shift your focus when you do create that space, which is I guess created when you decide to do less rather than do more. As you mentioned earlier, you're on trying to slow down as opposed to try and go at 100 miles an hour the entire time. It, it's almost like you've got you've got to do the complete opposite to the way we're doing things at the moment in order to be in that space. I mean, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, yes, absolutely. In a, in a way, you will have to do some things differently um, to start going into that direction. You are very spot on on the fact that, yes, it is attention training. When I talked about that muscle, Muscle training that we have for our physical bodies that we take to the gym, actually, for our mind that muscle training is equivalent to attention training. Our mind the way it is designed it has an inherent capacity, an inherent tendency to be wondering it t- thinks about. Los Angeles in one minute and the next minute, when somebody opens their screen on the computer and they see the picture of the island, all of a sudden they are carried to the memories that they had in that island. And they physically are in LA, but their mind is in an island in Caribbean. So their mind has that amazing capability and tendency to wonder. We have, I think, about sixty thousand thoughts a day so but unfortunately, the amazing part of the story is that the wandering mind is not a happy mind so part of this is about attention training is about being able to if to not wonder not not allow your mind to wander so much and be able to think straight in a way um it doesn't mean that we will not be able we will be able to like stop the mind and say hey thank you very much i just want to think about one thing that is a goal in a way but it doesn't mean that it happens always it's just a matter of training. When I start uh, practicing meditation with my clients, a lot of times, especially people who are more in executive level positions, and I really can relate to that, is that they're like, "I can't even sit for five minutes, and you want me to sit two minutes in silence?" And I'm like, oh, "You sit in meetings for." like eight hours a day and you can in silence for two minutes. I mean, it's an interesting thing. You are able to talk for eight hours a day, giving presentations and mind boggling uh, discussions and two minutes of silence. Sounds like, wow. Um, but it's just a matter of how we train ourselves and how we kind of build that habit because it's a habit. Um, of being able to, to say, I am going to stop and take five breaths for myself, give myself a break. Or I'm going to sit five minutes in silence. My thoughts are coming and going, but I watch them. I don't want to engage with them. It doesn't mean that the thoughts do not exist. It, doesn't, it means I don't go with them. I see that screen saver that I told you of an island, but I actually do not go and sit in that island and enjoy margaritas. You see the difference? We notice the ability to be able to notice the thoughts, but don't follow them right away if it is not our intention.
0: Right. So, would would that imply then that the meditation helps you create the space between the thoughts and feelings that you have, and then I guess in in many respects you kind of choose which ones to act upon. So, you might have these. You mentioned what was it um, sixty thousand thoughts a day, but you might only act on say five of them or ten of them. So, it kind of gives the impression that meditation is, as you mentioned, is the tool for or creating that space and allows you to choose the the thoughts and feelings that you actually take and, and use and, and act on um,
1: it is one of definitely one of the one of the ways there are different ways of connecting with yourself and getting clarity on the thoughts but meditation it is I want I want to stay with it for a second because it's a very big word in a way it is used. There are very different types of meditation and, um, but we don't want, and a lot of people can get defensive about the word meditation because there is some how in, you know, there are sometimes some spiritual connotations with it and all of that. But for sake of the secularity and for the sake of even looking at it scientifically, even if people don't want to look at the spiritual a- aspect of it or all of that, I want, to pay, I want to bring the attention to the fact that that meditation, that self-reflection, that pause is a way of just being able to see clearly give you give the mind that much needed break so that things can be seen clearly and uh, we so that we can move from a space of reacting to a space of responding which are two different spaces and two different areas of the brain that gets engaged engaged in that now I would a lot of the times, in, especially for corporations, we call it attention training, because that's what meditation is. You want to be able to sit with yourself, and to be able to pay attention to the moment that you are in, to the, your thoughts. And I like the mindfulness meditation in a way because it's it's very secular. And at the same time, we use breath a lot as a vehicle to to connect with the moment. Because breathing is something that we always do. And it's always available to us. And I see, you know, if you tell a person, can you just take a pause and take five long breaths that feels doable to them. But as if I take, you know, if that example I gave you, if I tell them, can you take a two minute pause, they think two minutes of silence is going to be torture. They will yeah. at that uh, uh, time counter 200 times. But if I ask them to f- take five breaths, they have to breathe anyway, right? So that happens. It's how you build that pause and reflection and it doesn't have always to be just a meditation Um, there are other ways of making that space and making that um, making that moment of getting clarity and you see I want to bring up this point to us that is not that we are not taking actions it's just we are taking more clear direct actions
0: right so i would like to to dive into those other ways so we have mentioned meditation on the show before it's not been uh, the first time but what what are these these other ways first and foremost and then i'm actually going to ask you as well to actually talk us through what mindfulness meditation is after that, but we'll start with start with what those other ways are first before we, we dive into that.
1: Sure. Um, you see, meditation for a lot of people is like, you have to go and, and I'm addressing just a general thought that is out there. You have to go and sit in a corner and uh, be silent or nowadays have some kind of a guided meditation that you listen to it Mm -hmm. and then you relax that's the general idea that we have nowadays now that is a thinking of its own fair enough but there are other ways of self -self self-reflection and giving the mind a pause One of the most important things is connecting with the emotions. And uh, in a day, a lot of times, we might be in a roller coaster in our life. Uh, We get frustrated, we get angry, we get happy, we get super happy, uh, we get sad, all of those kind of things. Do we always have time to address all of those emotions at that moment? Probably not. Um, We just have to say, okay, suck it in and move on. Um, If you get frustrated with a person at work, you cannot go and start yelling at them. I mean, that's not the emotionally intelligent thing to do, at least. You might park that emotion. You can... Call your partner in life and just you know rant as much as you want, or you can call a friend, or you go to your shrink, whatever. But it needs to wait. And um, then, but you don't go to shrink every day, and you might not be able to rant every day because then your partner will be like, Okay, I'm done with this. Um, so what is the healthy way of addressing your emotions and not feel that you ignored yourself. Um, some, for some people it is that they learn how to be in more emotionally savvy, but which is a long, long route, we don't wanna to go to that. But for some people, what works well is just the act of journaling. Journaling and expressing themselves. Even a few words sometimes can be very therapeutic Sitting at night and thinking about how did my day go, and write about it for five, ten minutes. It is. It can be very therapeutic, and it can be clarifying. Of maybe I did something that caused the situation. It can be even like a behavioral correction kind of thing. Another way of self-reflecting and connecting with ourselves. And recharging the brain is just simply going to the nature. Um, interesting enough, nature has the ability to calm our minds. Being in the nature, a walk amongst the trees, and if you know you're like, okay, I'm in the middle of the city, there are no trees, there is always a park there is always some kind of a green space uh, that you can go to and sit or walk in it. And just go and sit there for five, ten minutes, and you will see how it will impact the, your mind. Just gauge yourself where you go to that space and when you come out of it. And you will see how naturally you have gone calmer. Nature has that, has that kind of impact on us. There are, and another thing is that, um, funny enough, um, people think, um, oh my God, I don't know how to express myself. Having social connections is, a very important part for our brain health it's an interesting thing but our brain is actually a very social organ so even having that connections picking up the phone and just calling somebody for five minutes just to see how they're doing you don't have to listen to their whole life story that is a way of enhancing the capability of your mind so there are very simple things that are not all meditation and going and sitting in silence, taking that couple of deep breaths every hour or so, or when you're starting a tense kind of session at work. Um, it is interesting. I am in a path in, in LA at least to build, um, to build this culture into the tech companies. It is okay to pause before we start a meeting because everybody is in a rush you go to a meeting you have probably like five other meetings in a day and you have a bunch of work and you're like god just another meeting and i just want to get done with it and get out of it um but having that kind of pause at the beginning of it it is a healthy way of bringing people to the to the same page so it's not It's in a way simpler than we think, but more complicated in a way too. Um, That dance, we have to see how, we have to learn our tools and see how we want to bring them to our lives, to that dance in our lives. Yeah, for sure. I would
0: definitely echo that
1: yeah so it's a dance you know, and when you think about it as a dance and you don't think about it as rigid, it becomes more enjoyable, and it makes it easier to be with
0: mean, yeah definitely all right well <clears throat> it it definitely seems like when we do these things i mean it it sounds like we're going for for quality over quantity with this. it seems like if you can make one or two very very clear and important decisions and take action on them that's better than taking 10 or 20 mindless ones and you end up wandering around trying to trying to fit everything in into the hectic lifestyle so to speak and yeah I mean I definitely attest to this idea of trying to focus on your breath and all that kind of thing it's something that that I've been doing for a while and it does help me, as you say, create that space so that a lot of things do come bombarding into your head and then you have to then try to try to make sense of them I guess and try and put them in order and then try to decide which ones to act upon and which ones not to and it's it is a dance it's actually quite like the way you described that it is definitely a dance it's definitely a balancing act while you're trying to juggle everything all at the same time and yeah I just hope that that if anyone is listening to this and I'm sure people will be listening to this that you, you do try to create that space just because it it's it's almost like not every thought and feeling that you have, you have to act on. You, you've got to choose which ones best suit you. And I think more than anything, that's, that's going to be the, the moral of our episode today, for sure. So just before we... Just before we finish, um, if someone wanted to learn a little bit more about this, a little bit more about creating space and, and meditation and, and journaling, have you got any resources or, or books that you would recommend for our listeners?
1: Oh, absolutely. There are, um, there are very good resources out there um, that can help people, depending on what their level of uh, sophistication is. Um, I would recommend if people are interested in the um, mindfulness meditation. Um, one of the first areas, one of the first uh, places that I started looking into uh, was a UCLA Mindfulness Awareness Research Center. Um, they have, I would say, I, I was impressed by the fact that they are, they are. Um, doing some research with the Neuroimmunology Center. And um, so it's very science-based, it's very fact-based, and I like Mm -hmm. that. And they have free guided mindfulness meditations that people can listen to them and see if it is something that they like. And they have online courses too, um, open to the public, that people can take advantage of them. And in terms of the book, I, there is a book called Buddha's Brain by Rick Hansen, uh, which I like to talk to introduce that because people can go and learn about meditation and journaling and self-reflection from many different sources. The most important part is that it how it becomes part of their life. We eat, we drink, we we this is part of our life. We, we feel it as it is our survival mechanism, but how do we make this taking care of our mind part of our survival plan mm. in life? And I like Rick's work because it talks about how it can become a habit, um, how we can build that into you know, our life. So I would say that's another good resource. I like uh, Jack Confield work and, um, his books and Tara Broach has very good resources on how you can use meditation and so as uh, uh, as building self compassion so a couple of resources for the people who listen to us today
0: all right excellent well just before <clears throat> just before i ask you our, our final question um if someone wanted to find out a bit more about you someone wanted to to see what you're up to uh where, where, where could you go? What places do, do you have that, that people could visit to, to find out more?
1: Sure. I uh, do, uh, I have a, my website is heartmindtuning.com. Basically, okay. we discussed heartmindtuning. And uh, I do one-on-one coaching. I do group coaching. And also I have workshops in Los Angeles area. Um, if people are in this area, uh, I, I always have events going on, and uh, I do take mindfulness um, and emotional intelligence training based on neuroscience to corporations. So, if any of these areas are in, are of interest to people, they can connect me through my website.
0: All right, excellent. Um, for our for our last question, Kathy, and it's. What would you like the world to know about you that it doesn't already know? We have had fun answers, so it doesn't have to be serious. I know we've been quite serious and deep over the last 45 minutes to an hour. But this can be quite funny. We've had favorite foods and all kinds, Kathy, so you can go mad with this one.
1: Oh, my God. I love Caribbean. And... uh, yeah and i And it's funny enough i love the manatees that live in the caribbean i think they are they're amazing creatures if people you haven't seen manatees i really recommend that you go and watch one of them watch the ease and grace and calmness that they have in the turquoise water it's just amazing to watch them and there's a (laughs) foundation that you can donate to you know uh, keep manatees around longer and longer so something fun and I yeah, hope yeah. smile to people because laughing honestly is the best medicine in life.
0: Oh, definitely. I, I always have. I always have this, this idea to try to have as much fun as possible. Well, Kathy, mm-hmm. thanks for being a guest on the show. It was very, very enlightening to say the least. Um, I, I'm sure we'll, we'll keep in touch.
1: Thank you, Mike. I appreciate you having me on the, on the show and good luck to everybody who listened to us.